All right, let's open our Bibles this morning to declare the glory of the Lord. And we're going to stick today from the book of Psalms, Psalm 68. Now, we're going to read quite a number of verses, but there will be a break. We'll read 1 to 10, and then we'll add four verses towards the end. We'll read 1 to 10, and then we'll read 19 to 23. Now, did you get that? Yes, sir. We're doing Psalm what? Verse 1 to 10, then 19 to 23. Verse 1, let's go. Let God arise, let his enemies be scattered, and let those who hate him flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so drive them away. As wax melts before the fire, so let the wicked perish before God. But let the righteous be glad, let them exult before God. Yes, let them rejoice with gladness. Sing to God, sing praises to his name. Lift up a song for him who rides through the desert, whose name is the Lord, and exalt before him. A father of the fatherless and a judge for the widows is God in his holy habitation. God makes a home for the lonely. He leads out prisoners into prosperity. Only the rebellious dwell in a past land. Seven. O God, when you went forth before your people, when you marched through the wilderness, the earth quaked, the heavens also dropped rain at the presence of God. Sinai itself quaked at the presence of God, the God of Israel. You shed abroad a plentiful rain, O God. You confirmed your inheritance when it was passed. Your creatures settled in it. You provided your goodness for the poor, O God. Now go to verse um, 19. All right. One to let's go. Blessed be the Lord, who daily bears our burden, the God who is our salvation. God is to us a God of deliverances, and to God the Lord belongs escapes from death. Surely God will shatter the head of his enemies, the hairy crown of him who goes on in his guilty deeds. The Lord said, I will bring them back from Bashan. I will bring them back from the depths of the sea, that your foot may shatter them in blood. The tongue of your dogs may have his portion from your enemies. Thus we have declared the glory of the Lord Jesus this morning. Amen. Again, we say he's a king of kings. Amen. We say he's a conquering king. Amen. Say amen to that. Amen. He's a conquering king. Amen. In him we are victors. Amen. In him we are overcomers. Amen. In him all enemies are subdued beneath our feet. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We declare that he's a king of kings. Amen. Is a Lord of Lords. Is the soon coming King. Is the one who died on the cross for our sins. Is the one who rose again for our justification. He is the one who ascended on high, Amen. and now is seated on the right hand of the Father, Amen. far above principalities and powers. Amen. To him has been given a name higher than every other name, Amen. and at the mention of the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Amen. He said, "I have sworn by myself." And the word has gone forth from my mouth in righteousness and will not turn back. He said, to me, every knee will bow and every tongue will swear allegiance. They will say of me, only in the Lord are righteousness and strength. Over our lives, Jesus is king. Over this nation, Jesus is king. He's a governor amongst the nations. In the name of Jesus Christ. And as we go on this morning, we believe that he has heard us as we prayed at the beginning. And for that reason... We are receiving from him insight. Amen. We are receiving from him revelation. Amen. 
we are receiving from him direction. We are receiving from him healing. We are receiving from him direction into the place where we are supposed to be. Therefore, we declare as follows. One, two, let's go. And revelation in the knowledge of him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, I'm pleasing him in all respects, I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. It's a beautiful day for you again today. In Jesus' name. Let's take our seats. All right. Um, Last time I had hoped that uh, we'll conclude the series that we have been on for some time concerning running the race that is set before us. But that was not to be, so I will have to continue today to get that done. Well, let's see what we can conclude today. Now, today I'm going to, um, we are going to read um, some portions of the scriptures. There are two of them. There are so many to read, but since we are not just coming for Bible reading, I will have to tell us some of the stories, well, things we are familiar with, each one of us, I'm sure. So let's start from Philippians chapter 1, then we'll go to Luke chapter 16. I just want us to start from that, uh, Philippians chapter 1. From verse 12. Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel, so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else. And that most of the brethren, trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment, have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. He said, some, to be sure, are preaching Christ even from envy and strife, but some also from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am appointed, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition rather than from pure motives, thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. Yes, I, and I will rejoice, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness, Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body whether by life or by death. Now notice this. Paul's emphasis is that Christ will be exalted in his body, in his physical life. He said, whether by death, by life, or even in his death, the most important thing for him is that what? Christ is exalted. Now so you understand how crazy it is when we give counsel, like Leah Sharibu should have just denied Christ so they could release her. Do you get what I'm saying? Christ would not have been exalted by that. If, it, if, if an Islamist or somebody, terrorist of one form, puts a gun to your head and says, deny Jesus, this life is not that sweet. What did I say? This life is not that sweet. 
why will you trust a violent man more than you will trust the Lord Jesus Christ? He promises you that if you do deny Christ, he won't shoot you. Who says he's not lying? Is he not of his father, the devil? Who's a liar and murderer from the beginning? Who tells you he's not lying? Why will you trust him and not trust Jesus Christ? Who says, be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life? At least, let's see what that crown will look like. Let me not get stuck there. So Paul said, this is my emphasis. The focus of my life is that whatever happens, Christ must be exalted. Why? Verse 21. He said, for me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Whichever one, something good is happening. He said, but if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me. And so, I do not know which to choose. For I am hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. He said, yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. So that's what they call Christ. The word Christ, you have to know how it is being used. Here, he's using it in two contexts, or in two, to, to bring forth two things. One, he said, to live is Christ. That is, it's talking about purpose. Christ is a purpose for living. All right? Then he says now, here, in the next one, he said, to desire, he said, I desire to depart and be with Christ. Now, that Christ is what? A person. So Christ, you have to know the context in which it's being used. This Christ here is a person. Now, it now says, let us continue from 24. Yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you, with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that your proud confidence in me may abound in Christ Jesus through my coming to you again. So I'm going to see you again because having reasoned it, I know what exactly is going to happen to my life. I know what I'm going to choose. Now, please bear this in mind. The emphasis here is that Paul was living for a, a purpose. Please bear that in mind. And he said, writing to Timothy, I'm being poured as a, as a drink offering. It wrote also to these Philippians that if I am being poured out such, as long as it's on the service of your faith, in that case, I'm okay. Now let's go back now to the book of Luke chapter 16. Why I want to read all of this is so that um, once I start talking, I won't have to do too much reading. The book of Luke chapter 16. Now there are so many parables in this chapter 16. The one we are taking today is the story of the rich man and Lazarus. So we are taking from verse 19 therefore. Now there was a rich man and he habitually dressed in purple and fine linen. Justly living in splendor every day. And a poor man named Lazarus was laid at his gate covered with sores. And longing to be fed with the crumbs which were falling from the rich man's table. Besides, even the dogs were coming and licking his sores. Now the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus so that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool off my tongue, for I am in agony in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your life you received your good things, 
and likewise Lazarus' bad things. But now he's being comforted here, and you're in agony. Now, I'm going to stop reading here because the most important thing I want to read has been um, said. I'm not talking about life after now or judgment or hellfire. No. There's something I want to bring out from this. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Now, we've been talking about running a race, that, the race that is set in front of us. And I want to remind us of a particular principle today, which, again, I've taught many times, again and again. But, of course, we keep repeating these things so that people can be established. And then, as a teacher, <laughs> you'll be amazed what you've said 50 times and people don't seem to know. You'll be wondering that, ah, I thought you have been listening to me. Do you understand? Uh-huh. So, I need to go over this again. God leads his children in different ways. The most important thing in our lives is that we are pleasing to God. Let's put it like that. Let's start from that. God didn't send Jesus Christ into this earth to come and develop the country. Jesus did not die to give us good roads. Jesus did not die to give us constant power. Jesus did not die to give us comfort so that we will be able to build nice houses and then have beautiful cars and all the pleasurable things of life. The pleasures of this life, those are not the things that he died for. Now, that is not to say those things are never given by him. And I didn't say that. God made Abraham very comfortable at the time. He made him very rich. The Bible made it clear to us. He was rich. He told the people of Israel, it is the Lord thy God that is giving you what? The power to get wealth. All right? So we know he does that. Okay? God will make, he told Israel, God will make you plentiful in goods. It did not, because sometimes I see Christians can be very worldly. They can be exceedingly worldly. I'll say this thing again and again and again so that you will warn yourself. You will know how to value things. If you read that book of Philippians in that chapter 1, in chapter 1, did you read it just now? Yeah, but if you go back earlier, a few verses earlier, you'll see around verse 10, 9, 10, Paul said you have to learn to approve the things that are excellent. You have to know what is important in life. Let me just give you a practical one. Because if we are not careful, we become very worldly. All right? Now, why I'm saying all of this, there's, there's something I want to say. Let me quickly say that, and then I'll continue what I'm saying. I want to explain to us that if we have the right focus, knowing the will of God is very easy. It's the wrong focus that is really the problem. When Christ is not set in front of us, when our primary desire is not to please Christ, we start praying so hard to know his will. It becomes difficult. Now, back to what I was saying. That's a summary of what I'm trying to emphasize. But let me just continue to explain it. So this happens. Situations come up in life. Let me give you an example. Right now, look, I have a son that's supposed to have graduated from school last, last year, university. Because of first COVID, school closed. They did not do online in most federal universities. Then, ASO has been on strike now for six months. And the last I heard, federal government walked out of the negotiation. So I don't know when it's ending. It's as if they made up their mind, this strike will break you guys. I don't want to start discussing that issue now because you now divide the church into two. Those who are like on this side know. But that's the situation. I'm personally irritated. We've been praying for the situation for months, and I believe that God heard us. Okay? This is where I'm going. What is the reaction? That's the problem in this country. My next, I have two kids that are supposed to get into university this year. In fact, one reason why I don't want one of them to go to a federal school is that they have two classes that have not yet entered. You're going to be in, even if you get admission, you'll be on a queue because of the faculty. Now, this is what now happens. This is the problem with this country. I'm not coming, I'm sending my children abroad. Listen to me. This guy here will not. You see why? 
All you have done is delay his graduation by one year. Like my other son. You know what he's done? He's very funny. I know maybe he, I'm not going to tell you about this. The young man started a podcast, started preaching the gospel on podcast. If they delay you for 10 years to get that thing started, that's the will of God. I, to me, I, when I saw it, I said, my God. I said, my, I said, mommy, mommy, come, come, come. Your son has started preaching on podcast. I said, aha. And if I, I heard that one day he was provoking that people should bear it in mind. His name is Akilu, it's not Pastor Banky. Now, why are they comparing him with Pastor Banke? If that's what six months strike did to him, won't we worship? I give the testimony of my younger brother. But he's with him now. He was delayed. He finished school, did very well, excellent, one of the best students, if not the best student in his class, for no reason. You know what? When, you know, sometimes you just want to be angry with certain systems. They said they have not verified his YAC result. He studied engineering, finished work five years before that. The school said they have not yet gone. Not as if they verified that there's a problem. They haven't gone. Or they have written why work has not yet replied that batch. This young man has been in your school for five years. I would have thought the common sense thing to do is as soon as you come in, we verify the result you presented to us. But some people can be evil. They want to punish people. They will let you get to final year. They go and find out that your result was not genuine. Why do you want to do that? This simple procedure cost this young man two years. Okay, let us go to Y by ourselves now. No, that's not the procedure. There's, no, I will just go to Y. I will talk to Y. Then I will pay them Korean money, everything. They, was, they said that's not the procedure. They, they have to go through the two years before he could get his call-up letter to go for NYC. This really happened, though. It's my younger brother. We bear the same son. Grew up in the same house. So I'm not telling you the story I read in the book. It was annoying infuriating. But you know what? God wasn't bothered. In that idle period, he met the wife. He's, they've been married now for more than 10 years, Abby. Yes. When he finally went to do that in YC and came out, as soon as he came out, he got a job. A good one. The kind of job many people will like. He walked. His boss loved him so much, he recommended him immediately for promotion. They had to tell him that, no, 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 he has not stayed long enough to be promoted. Ah. So they typed his promotion letter and kept on the table. The day he made the first year in the office, they put a date on it and gave it to him. He said by himself, the girls came to see me, the, the one of those they was just talking. Essentially that God has compensated. See all that two years you are complaining about. He caught up with and overtook his classmates that went straight from there to NYC. I hope you are getting my point here. So some of these delays, it doesn't even it doesn't worry me. I have see the God I the God I serve, he lives literally outside time. Time is a commodity in his hand, and he has it. It's like, okay, do you want time? He just cut and give you extra. It's not a, hey, so the days are going, oh, hey, what will we do now? No, that, it's not like that with him. He'll just come and take time. You need extra time, okay. Time for him is like on a shelf. He takes and gives. Now, how to play out physically can be interesting. Sometimes he will freeze. Now, there's one interesting astronomical and, you know, a matter of physics that happened in the Bible. Many, if you don't know enough of astronomy and advanced physics, you will miss it. When he says, sun stands still. When Joshua says, sun stands still. You must understand that this universe is designed to keep moving. The reason why you're on that chair is because things are spinning. Oh, you think you're stationary? No. Relative to some other planets, you're moving. You're, we're constantly turning. The, earth, the, the size of the Earth is balanced through 
no gravitational forces, including from stars that are one million light years away. So for Joshua to have the audacity to say, son, stand still, if you know what he disrupted, if you know the forces of the spirits that were disrupted, and God did it. Because physically speaking, for the little we know, a number of things must have happened. But one thing is sure, what we call sun standing still is that the movement of the sun relative to the earth was adjusted for some time. Two of them were now moving at the same, you know, well, angular velocity. I need to use that for certain reasons. Now, that disrupted a lot of things. Since the days of um, Albert Einstein, we have come to understand that space and time are the same thing. Okay, let me not explain that further. Not create too much headache for people. What am I going to say? You know what God did? He took time off the shelf and gave to Joshua to finish what he's doing. And the manifestation of that is that the sun seemed to freeze in his in motion for Joshua. At the time, he caused the sun to retrace his steps for somebody. And then they said, okay, sun, go back. The sun reversed. If you understand space physics, astronomy, you get, see, one of them says that time with God is a, is a substance he created. It doesn't affect him. That's why the Bible tells us clearly that with the Lord, a day is like what? A thousand years. And a thousand years is like a day. People have tried to do calculation based on that. So when the Bible says one day, one day means it. No, 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 no. Please, let's get in the context. What it means is that what you say will take a day, with God it can take two years, it can take 40 years, it can take a thousand years. And what you expect will take a thousand years, God can do it in 999 years, or 500 years, or 100 years, or in one week, or in 24 hours, even in a second. What you were just saying is that this time does not bind him. And with God, what's more important is what, when he gives you, like if I give you money, you know, money is nothing in itself. All right? What, what we, you know, there are different types of money. We are not using commodity money. What we are using now is what they call fiat money. So if I give you a piece of paper that I, so they printed something on it and somebody signed, even the signature is printed. But you can't make another one. You understand? It's a piece of paper. But what gives it value is that it's backed by the, the institution of the country. So if you take it to the market, somebody gives you something. That, what I'm going to say is that, so when I give you money, the money doesn't mean anything. Now, I'm not here to market against those of you trying to make money doing Bitcoin <laughs> and the cryptocurrency. Um, uh, this was named the sage of Omaha. The oracle of Omaha, yes. Warren Buffett. He said, if you gave me all the Bitcoins in this world for $15, he said, I won't take it. You know his reason? He said, the value only comes from when I give it back to you. He said, so what is it for me? He said, but if you give me all the houses in America for is it $15 trillion, he said, I will collect because the value is when people live in it. He said, listen, you people are trading. He said, me, I don't have time. He said, it only has value because you exchange it. <laughs> now, you know my opinion from time. Those of you who have listened to me on that matter long enough. Where I'm going is that, using the words of um, Warren Buffett, just to emphasize what we all know, money is not the money you hold. It's what it can do for you. That's why you keep 10 millionaires at the bank in this country over the last few years. The value is now $5 million compared to where you put it. That's like, do you understand what I'm saying? It's because of what it could do then that it can't do now. 
Time is like that too. With God, it's not how long. It's what are you using the time to do? What is it accomplishing? So that's what God is trying to do. Is that accomplishment, the accomplished issues in time that matters with him. So that's why if God gives you a year, if you don't accomplish what you're supposed to accomplish in a year, that thing stretches to two years, stretches to three years, because what is counted is what you're accomplishing. Now what I'm going to say here is this. If you accomplish something, if there's a delay in your timing now, if God gives you speed and you accomplish quicker next time, it easily compensates for the time that is lost now. That's why time doesn't worry me anymore. I don't mean I waste it, but I mean I'm not competing with anybody. For many young people who are out of school now, I said, why are you worrying? Go online, get another degree before the school starts again. There are many places giving free online courses. Anytime I open some of these Google services, first thing is coding, free. Learn how to code. There are so many skills you can acquire. Why are you sitting at home eating food and watching uh, Big Brother that's going to frustrate your destiny? That is, I'm telling you, watch Big Brother, your head is not working. And you're there whining about us. Why don't you go out and go and do something serious with your life? So that day they call off the strike, you are feeling bad. So, oh. And then three more months. Because in, that, in those few months, you've acquired some skills. The people that you, look, all the people like um, Bill Gates, Michael Dell, even Steve Jobs, it was the things they were doing in school that picked up speed, that they walked out of school. They did not finish their first degree. All these three people have mentioned their names. Sometimes I say that, uh, you know, some small, small boy motivational speakers. You say, Bill Gates was a dropout. Not your kind of dropout. <laughs> Don't, let's not mix it up. Like there was, they, they, Americans call all them dropouts. Once you don't finish school, you're a dropout. But some didn't finish school because they were smoking Igbo. Some did not finish school because they went to prison for their crimes. Some did not finish school because they couldn't continue to pay. This man, that's not their case. Michael there was building Dell computers as a student. That was why he left. Same thing with Bill Gates. Steve Jobs said he found everything boring. What am I going to say? So let's not kill ourselves over and ask who wants to destroy the children. They are not destroying anybody. Tell the children, say, you will turn every disadvantage into a blessing. Now, please, get my point. Let me, uh, that's, that's a serious distraction, you know, digression. Let me get to the main thing I was trying to say with that. So you see, people want to say, this is why you carry your children go abroad, because of this. I said, no. No, I'm not going to do that. Why? What is the big deal? They waste one year. Huh? The Lord will compensate the one year later. Don't worry about it. What's my reason? What is my alternative? What is my alternative? I take a young man, go to where I saw one video the other day, and the boss was written clearly. There's probably no God anyway, so don't worry about it. Enjoy your life. And this boss is driving around London. No mobile, mobile advertising. If you put the same thing that's on the same bus, a quotation from scripture, the police will stop you. If they think it offends the sensibilities of the LGBTQI, ABCD, YXYZ group of people. Yet, to offend Christians and Muslims every day, it does not matter, it's in line with the law. I'm talking about approving the things that are excellent. In my son's class, they have class fellowship. They have departmental fellowship. They meet once a week. 
I'm sure there are lecturers who bow their heads to pray before they start a lecture. It is not strange for you to bow your head and start to and pray before you start an exam. For a young man to me, that is more important than you graduate on time. Yes, to me, it's more important than you graduate on time. That you can leave school and stroll down home, come and fellowship with us. It's more important to me than you graduate on time. It is more important because now I'm saying this because sometimes when you see see us talk, you see that we don't have heavenly mind at all. No heaven mindedness. So earthy, 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 earthy in everything we do. We're earthly minded. So I want to compare good countries. Like some of my colleagues in classes will say, they want to describe Nigeria, they say, Sena climbs. They say, in Sena climbs. Can't think we do Nigeria, they don't do it in Sena climbs. I say, what do you call sanity? The same person telling me sanity, Sena climbs, said his wife was pregnant, they went for antenatal care. I want to write on it, partner one, partner two. On the card, not husband and wife. In the same Sena climbs, people are printing, a child is born, normally birth certificate, you have father, mother. They write parent one, parent two. In one country, they are campaigning that you shouldn't tell children their gender, they should discover as they grow up. I born you, I can't tell you whether you're a boy or a girl. Normally in Nigeria, if we can't tell, you see the pediatric surgeon immediately. Something is wrong. Usually we can tell. 999 times out of a thousand, we can tell easily. When I was a student, they let the mother, the mother would shout, it's a boy or it's a girl. The mother would be the one to say it. Yet, there's a campaign to say you shouldn't do that. So my son goes to a university. The first thing they let him know is that his faith is not welcome on campus. He's, now, and he's young. Maybe assuming the fellow is 16. And I'm not there to support him. And they attack his faith morning, afternoon, and night. Now, I don't have a problem with it. The problem I have is that you are not telling me that is better than being delayed by a year by a strike. What's wrong with you? Something's wrong with you. If you think that is better, if you rather take that, that have Hasu delay him by a year, you have lost your sense of value. You have become confused in life. That's what I'm saying. We don't value our faith. If Listen, I told you, I'm not saying these physical things are bad, but less Christians must learn to approve what? The things that are what? Excellent. What I have found is that Christians, the truth that they don't really believe. They don't really believe. They don't really believe. If they believed, they would reason differently. Please, I'm challenging us again today. Let's know how we value things in life. Let's remind ourselves of what is important. I just use it as an example. This is not, I'm not, I didn't come to preach on that. Just to give us as what? An example. If the faith of your children matters to you, then when you are making decisions, you will check that thing. You will check it. You will check it. I'm not telling you what to do. Well, I'm just trying to say what? You will value it. After all, think about this. If you have two schools offering the same thing side by side, and one is charging a millionaire in tuition a year, and another is charging a hundred thousand naira, which one will you go to? If it's the same thing and you don't have pride, we are better than that in your heart. You go to the one that is cheaper. If they, they are offering what? The same thing. You are saving your money. You have value for your money. 
That's what I'm trying to say. But if they are the same price, do you understand? And one is giving something far better than the other. You go for the one that's giving something far... Do you get my point? I'm talking about how we value things. But if one says that our rule is atheism, nobody goes to this school, our aim is to make sure we kill his or her faith. And they say it is free. They offer scholarships. That's what they do. Or another one says, no, 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 no. He will pay the millionaire. But your child must read the Bible. Or they're not even saying must read the Bible. But they can fellowship. We have a hall there for those who are, those people that like to speak in tongues. That's their hall for them. Those that like to sing hymns, we gave them this hall. We don't want them to disturb anybody else. Please, if you want to pray in your hostels, try and pray when other people are not, in such a manner that people cannot be disturbed. By the way, we have free Bibles in the library. We have a school, cha- we have a school chaplain. And there are some pastors who come here to minister once in a while. We'll give them time. They're not promoting faith. They're just allowing faith. Now, the question I'm asking is that if one school says it's 100,000, the other one said it's a million. And you can afford, the, the one of faith is one that says it's a million. And you can afford a million. What will you do? This time, we're not trying to save your money. Your child, your word faith is so important to you, pay that extra 900,000 right here. I'm just saying, let's bear these things in mind when we are making decisions. Now, why did I go into that? Just want to explain something that we must have the right precepts in mind. We must have right understanding. That is, understanding what God really wants us to do is not really that hard. That's what I have found out. Please let me go over it again. The reason why God doesn't just give us vision, do this or do that, is that he wants to train us. He wants to train us. He said that, let's quickly open to Psalm 19 again. I, just want to, I wanted to just quote something, but let me quote it correctly. So that's why I said let's open to it. Psalm 119. I'm reading from the New American Standard. I'm reading verse 4. I'm reading about um, three verses from verse 4. He said, you have ordained your precepts that we should keep them diligently. Oh, that my ways may be established to keep your statutes. Listen to verse 6. Then I shall not be ashamed when I look upon all your commandments. God has ordained his precepts, his principles. And he says what? Keep the precepts, the principles diligently. He said, if I do these things and I keep your statutes. In verse 6, I shall not be ashamed. Now, let me use my own words. When I finally discover your commandments. What do I mean by that? If I follow the principles of God in all that I'm supposed to do in life. Without God saying anything to me. The day I die. And I stand before the judgment throne of Christ. And he opens. Listen to them. He will do that. He will do that. He's going to do that. Before you were born, books were written. Your life was written in a book. How it's supposed to be according to the design of the Lord. Then that book is being written now on how you are fulfilling the will of God in your life. And judgment for the believer is comparison of, of both books. In the second book, my understanding is that they are not writing your errors. They are not writing your mistakes. Because the first book did not say the message you should not make. The first book says, talks about the Christ-like development you will achieve at each phase of life and the work you will do for God in each phase of life. So the second book is being written to see how you are cooperating with the leadings of the Spirit 
the arrangements of God around you to make sure that the book is fulfilled. So what is written here is how you are fulfilling the things in the first book. He says, sir, what about sin? Any, you know, like I said before, there are, so many, there are not too many things you can do. When you are busy sinning, you are not busy doing righteousness. I don't know, are you getting my point? So sin denies you that glory. Whether they write it down or not, you are losing. The effort you use in walking in sin was supposed to be used in fulfilling the will of God for your life. So you will end up not fulfilling. Time will not allow me to show all, all, all the scriptures. But Jesus said it like this. The one that was busy eating, drinking, and maltreating the other servants was not found doing what he was supposed to be doing. It's the reason why Jesus does not tell us when he's coming. You know why? Blessed is the servant who the masters find so doing. Not so waiting. That is, he has to find you doing. So that doing that's important to him. If he told you that he will come, you will prepare and wait. And sit down and dress up. Why are you waiting here? The master is coming today. He said, no. I am going to come at an hour that you do not know. I must find you so doing. Do you get the concept? So that's why they don't write this one down. Okay? Now this is what I'm saying. So the day of that judgment, if you find the book, the original book written concerning your life. Now, the, what most of us would like is, give me a copy of that original book. Then I wake up in the morning. Today, I am supposed to go and preach. Please, I'm a preacher, so allow me. I'm supposed to go and preach in Otupo, as an example. What I will do is to pack and go to Otupo. And I will feel like I've done it. Except that I, the Lord, I search the heart. I test the mind. This mind that is going to Otupo really has not been processed. It has not become what I want it to be. So God said, this is how I do it. This is what I'd rather do. I won't tell you you're supposed to go to Otupo and so on and so on. I'll just say, keep living your life. You're a preacher, keep preaching. Your business is go keep doing it. Then, I will open a door of opportunity and a small push in your spirit that I want to go to Otupo. Then this world will decide whether you will go or not. I said, that's okay, Mute. Say yes, sir. Last time we went, how much was the offering? Says everything put together. In fact, this one, let me just tell you this is to make you this laugh. When I used to go around those days doing programs on campus, all right, I still remember all the contribution our offices would give was consistently 10% of what we spent. Consistently. Of course, this will make me not really laugh just that. That's not the aim. In fact, the giving is that. You just want to give the opportunity to people to participate. It didn't come. That it was 10. I could look. Just around 10. Maybe between 9 and 11. Never crossed 11 to, to where. So maybe I say things like that. Last time we went, how much is the offering? You say, ah, sir, everything was like 12,000 there. How much did you pay for that hall? Uh, we paid for two days. Each hall was, each day was 40,000, 80,000. How much were you spend? How much was I would take? I didn't do that. Those were not serious. Did you hear that? And I'm saying, like, is that how we pay, pay, pay salaries? Is that how we, 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 we don't go build house? So I've been finding where there's money job. So I've got like, if you go to Abuja. So it's better to spend that money in Abuja where people can give you. Then, in fact, one, one of my friends wanted to, say, I want to go and open a branch in Lagos. So I said, okay, why? He said, Lagos is where you find people who will support you. I said, okay, don't worry. He closed the branch after a while and came back home. Is it no? Is it normal thing? You know, I learned some things early in life. God did not even allow me to go and get into that thing. 
Now, this is where I'm going. Having not learned the certain principles, you know what I will do? I will say, we are not going. So the day of judgment, God really didn't just judge my not going. He's judging, he also judges what? Why I did not go. And that why I did not go is actually more important to him than the physical going. So if he just showed me vision, I will go. But I score only 3 out of 10. Because the, I mean, those of us who teach, you know you have a marking scheme. Sometimes I tell my students, I say, listen, if I ask you this question, I will try to encourage them, listen when I'm talking. Just a bit, you know, some people just like, uh, give us your slides, your PowerPoint, you know, your slides. Because they want to just memorize it. I said, these are bullet points. If you write this for me in an exam, you are guaranteed to fail. Why? Because you give me all my bullet points. And I don't want my bullet points. I know my bullet points. What I want is your understanding of the things that I said that day in class. So when I'm doing oral exam, I tell students, don't use a word you don't know the meaning of. I fail you for it. Better to shut your mouth than come in there and say, uh, because it's acute respiratory distress. I say, please, how do you know a patient in respiratory distress? And you say, he does not eat. I just, that is, I just, I just failed you. Failed you last year. Failed you for the year before. I just be failing you till I get to your day of best. Do you get my point? So I say to them, please, don't use words you don't know the meaning of. It offends me. Because for me, if you can put a word in your mouth, the meaning should be in your mind. And that's how God judges also. God will say, listen, why didn't you go? That's why he did not go. It's more important in judgment. No, it's there now. Uh, Jeremiah 17. He said, I, the Lord, I test the heart. I set the mind. Before I reward the man according to his deeds. I don't just jump to his deeds. I first search his heart. So, if the fellow says, let us go to Otopona, you know Jesus now. If you don't go now, this is how he will be doing. He'll be looking at you like he's not happy with you. <laughs> well, I don't know what that man said. I know you're an exacting man. You, you know, just be insulting the Lord like that. But Jonah, what was his problem? He had no love or consent for the people he was prophesying to. So when God spared them, he said, but he said that uh, I should go and tell them they would die. So now they didn't die. Eh? You made me a false prophet now. He was more concerned about his reputation than he was about the souls of the people. And God said to him, Ah, Jonah. So you want me to destroy all these people that don't know their left from their right so that I can preserve your reputation as a prophet? Do you get what I'm trying to say? That's how he judges. So what he's saying is this. You will find that you have done what is right. If you constantly follow my precept. What is my precept? Love the souls I'm sending you to Jonah. So even though. Now, now I'm saying something just connecting. I used to say. Which is a matter of fact. Jonah never said. 40 days hence. Nineveh will be overthrown. Unless they repent. You know, he never said that. You know why he never said that? God didn't say it. But was he supposed to say it? You know what? I've just come to the conclusion of, yes, he was supposed to. Go and read your Bible. Jeremiah said, I have not run away from being a shepherd to your people. Even though they were annoying me. What does that mean? I read that. I said, no. What Jeremiah said? Jeremiah said, 
If you read King James, the word pastor, the job of a pastor is to teach you the word of God. The job of a shepherd is to lead you in the pastures of truth. So Jeremiah was not just prophesying to them, you will die, you will die, you will die. Jeremiah was concerned about learning the reason why they would die and how they can stop themselves from dying. So that's why he said, I have not shied away from being a shepherd to your people. But Jonah, no. He didn't care about the people. I'm a prophet. If I say you will die, you will die. So when he said they will die, they did not die. He said, God, was it not what I said? Was it not what I said at the beginning? God said, that's just connecting for me now. God said, even though I did not tell you, tell them they can repent. You should have known me enough to give them that clause. You should have gone around shouting, Nineveh, in 40 days you'll be overthrown. Then like Daniel, you call the king aside. Come, sir. This is God has sent me. Let me tell you about him. Break away from the iniquity. Show mercy to the poor. Help the needy. Acknowledge his goodness. And ask him for forgiveness for the deeds of the past. Paradventure. I'm not sure, but it often works. I hope you're getting my point here. So God says, learn these precepts. Operate by these precepts. The day I show you your book, which I did not show you ahead of time, you will discover that you have fulfilled everything I wrote about your life. Why? Because as I was teaching you love and you were operating by love, I was giving you the opportunities to meet the woman that, I'm talking about the Samaritan man now, I will give you the opportunity to meet the man that has been taken, overtaken by robbers, who has been attacked and afflicted by robbers. So if I wrote in your book, you do that good work. I won't tell you. I won't tell you. I just teach you love your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. And they asked Jesus, which of these is my neighbor? Let me tell you a story. That is, that priest was supposed to do that work. He did not. He didn't love his neighbor. The Levite was supposed to do that work. He did not. He didn't love his neighbor. But the Samaritan that they thought so little of knew to love his neighbor. And you must understand, love your neighbor does not mean hug your neighbor. Love your neighbor does not mean be fond of your neighbor. Love your neighbor does not mean marry your neighbor. That's not what it means. Love your neighbor means help your neighbor anytime he's in need. That's what it means. Just as an aside, he said even if you don't like him, if you see his dog, no, dog can bite you. Let's leave dog. <laughs> if you see, what Bible can say is his goat. So let's go to that goat. I was just trying to look for something that's more, hair, good, good, good. No, I found something. Because this is something that happened to me many times. I'm in the house. I suddenly hear water pouring everywhere. And I check. It's my neighbor pumping water and he forgot. So I start calling. Calling, hello. Hello, sir. Good morning. Please, your overhead tank is full and it's been pouring out for the last 30 minutes. Is there nobody in the house? They say, oh, sorry. And he starts making phone calls for somebody who has a key to his house. And that kind of thing, that's what I'm saying. I don't have to greet him tomorrow. I just saw that his house is about to get flooded. The whole corner is going to get flooded. And maybe he bought, you know, sometimes it dries in the end. The one you are pumping from, you pay diesel money. You know what they call diesel money? Yes. You don't know what they call diesel money. Don't worry. Wait till you buy diesel. <laughs> now, that's what it means to love your neighbor. I hope you're getting my point. Now, what am I going to emphasize here? If you learn those precepts of God, you will find yourself doing his will all the time. Even though it does not tell you, hey, now go to Otupo. No. 
You just open your heart that, okay, you've conquered this area with the word. This area is needed. And Satan will come and say, hey, you won't get any offering there. And you look at Satan and say, did I tell you I was doing this for an offering? He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's what we're trying to do. Then you silence that voice of the devil. You look at the need of the people, and then you go there. You preach the word, and then you go back. I hope you're getting my point. You silence that voice of the devil with the word of God. The needs of the people arise to you. And then you solve it. Then you go back to your place. And God didn't say a specific word. That's why Paul, God hardly told him where to go, where not to go. He just went everywhere. It's occasionally God will say, no, you can't go there. You can't go there. When he was supposed to go to the Gentiles, God told him from the beginning, you are going to the Gentiles. The guy said, he goes, when the Jews showed him, he saw he didn't have grace with the Jews. He faced Gentiles. So God will use things around life to guide you as long as you are walking according to his precepts. Now, I was talking about wordness at the beginning. Christians often use the precepts of the world. And they want to do the will of God. It doesn't work. I gave an example the other day that I was teaching a class of medical students. So I was teaching an interesting topic. That was some, not too long ago. So I was just showing them, you know, because I know, of course, I read a bit, get involved in studying some stuff, and then I know some people, like one of our brothers, who was here, I don't know, a few months ago, it was around about two months ago, and he gave a testimony, all right? He came from the U.S. He came, they had a family stuff, so he came from the U.S. And then, so he's, he's a... He has a PhD in immunology, all right? And he's doing his postdoc in the United States. So it was, we're not discussing what he's working on. And to me, well, this was, it was wowing in that kind of thing. But describing what they are doing it has to do with cancer therapy and how they are trying to blend some cells with some molecules and all of You know, very interesting. So I got to the class that day. I, I was teaching something along that line. So I, and I told some of these stories to these students. And said, look, this is the frontier. This is a good place to go. To, you know, if you're going to be a doctor, you know, not just everybody carrying syringe and knife. No, no, no. There are other things you can do. You know, I'm just trying to explain to them that, see, you can advance science in this area and all of that. And then my class captain said, excuse me, sir, how much money is in it? You no, know, the moment she said it, because they have two classes, and this is a female one. The moment she said it, eh, my spirit sank. You know, I've been around good people for so long. I don't know there are worthy people still around. I don't know whether you're getting my point. I said, what did you say? And so everything I have said now, you are not even excited about the knowledge. Because we are teaching the Bible now, I can't start telling you the things that we're discussing. I felt a normal person would be excited. Like, what? You must understand something that knowledge is satisfying to the soul. Do you get my point? Look, those who discover stars and all of that, they're not trying to sell the stars. See, let me remind you of something. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness is, a, is an eternal word. And all other things will be what? Added to you. It's an eternal word. And, you know, and I see people, so one brother said, ah, look, leave that thing. As far as I'm concerned, when my children come and tell me, something, no, I tell them how much money. I say, no, now. You can't live life like that. Okay, let me pray a prayer for you. Don't say amen. I'll say amen for everybody, okay? But just, just listen to it. It's a prayer I prayed for people. That the place you are looking for... Now, please, don't, don't say anything until I finish my prayer. And don't say amen. I will pray the prayer. I will say the amen. Then you will see the manifestation. 
The place you are looking for money, you won't find it there. The place you are not looking for money, money will rain on you from there. In Jesus' name, amen. That you may know that God is God and not your effort. Now, don't, hey, Pastor, I've been looking for money. You won't find it. Don't worry, you won't be poor. I didn't curse you with poverty. I blessed you with the power to get wealth. There are things you will be doing. You don't think anything of it. You don't think anything. You're not thinking anything of it. That is the one God will just use blessing. Yeah. The one you turn around and say, this is charity work. And please, you see, oh, you get where I'm going today. You just, just follow me. The precepts of God, if you walk by them, one of the precepts we must walk by, listen to this. That's why I read those things I read. Okay? Let me drop two of the precepts. One of them is this. No, there are two. I'm just thinking of which one I should draw first. Okay, let me draw this one first. One of the precepts of God you must walk by, it, as different from that of the world, is to know where your satisfaction comes from. What am I trying to say? The precept for the believer to walk by in this regard is this. Be satisfied when you see the result of the travail of your soul. I've just quoted from it from Isaiah 53. He said he will see the result of the travail of his soul and he will be what? Satisfied. He doesn't have to make money for you. When my, when my wife started, um, of course, she and I, I worked very hard on it. Of course, it, it, most of it was my idea, actually. The school. The, there were things that led to it. It was frustration. Why would children not be taught? We are in the year 20-something. The way we were taught then, to my shock, my own children were being taught like that. So at the time, I told my wife, it's enough. I'm withdrawing these children from school. They are coming home. I'll hire teachers to be teaching them at home. I'll supervise it. I'll tell the teacher how to teach. I'll give them a computer. That's what she now said, no. That, okay, she'll make it into a proper school so that people can come. Now, a few days ago, this is where I'm going, because she belongs to a chat group where people discuss things. She said, ah, this is our method. Now, people are now using it here and there. Listen to what I'm saying. What's the average worldly mindset? Competition. But I said to her, that is the idea. From the beginning, I said, I hope people will copy it. It's not about, ah, look for something to know. I told her, you are running the mission. I said, the idea is that, I'm not talking about teaching method now, all right? The idea is that I pray people will copy it. I pray that one teacher will work for you for some time, and then one day leave. Then go somewhere and say, ah, this is how we used to do there. I can help you people. Now, an average one said, ah, they will copy your method. Whose method? What are you doing that they have not been done abroad for the last 10 years? I don't know whether you're getting my point. Ah, who doesn't watch YouTube? Sometimes you doing it shows to people that it's doable locally. That's all. And as far as I'm concerned, once that has been achieved, my soul is satisfied. We're discussing just about, was it just about three, four days ago? I said, no, it's a good thing. To me, it's a good thing. To me, it's a good thing. My dad used to work in, ah, how do I do it? Okay. Odua Group, no, there's what they call Odua Group of Companies. One of their companies was Western Lifestyle Company. All right? My dad worked there. Now, so, so all these, um, some of these things that they are trying to propose now for sol- solving this um, Hesman crisis. I had the first hand, I learned to drive at the age of 12, 13, because, yes, <laughs> seriously, at 12, my dad would give me the car, go and get me something. I'm not kidding about it. I used to do long distance at 14, and he is asleep. I'm driving. Now, why did I learn to drive so early? Because on their property, it was private company property. You could drive kilometers on private road. 
So on my left is barbed wires. On my left is, you know, fields. So we just, so they had, of course, we had his own car that he would take. Then they had the, the company Land Rover and stuff like that. Now, this is where I'm going. Now, because of his own exposure, and they had the, head, the headquarters was in Ibadan. So he knew all the, the more plantation people, the, uh, what know, these IITA guys, they used to come there. So all these research people used to come. So the, I don't know if you know about cassava. You know, cassava plant, you know how they plant it? You know the seed. You dig the earth, put the seed inside, and cover it. Do not germinate like beans. Okay, cuttings. All right, good. So you use cutting stem, and then you, you, you cut the stem and bury it. Good. Now, you know that what was the major problem of cassava before? If you are old, if you are young, you will not know this. Before, cassava yield was very, very poor. Why? Because of this disease that had no cure. What the disease? Cassava mosaic virus. You see, so you see the leaves will twist and turn, turn yellow. So the leaves will not be up to half of what it should be. So they developed this strain. I don't know whether it's in Nigeria or abroad, but all the research people, you understand, they finally came up with the, the cassava that was resistant to the cassava mosaic virus. That virus cannot attack it. Now I can tell you, my dad was the one that introduced to the whole of I can tell you that one. He was, he was one, he's one that will bring it. And you know, once you give one person, he doesn't need you again. So even if he was selling, hmm, he, did, he couldn't sell more than one year. Because you know how do you get, once you plant it, the thing, it didn't used to flourish like crazy. After three months, you don't weed anymore. Because the foliage is so thick, sun does not get onto the ground. So the weeds on that cannot grow. I can testify that. Early days I went to that, because they moved from different parts. When they moved to the area that's not in the kid, it wasn't in the kid, that was still on those states. They had that normal one, as you're driving through, you know, the villages now, farmland and everything. You see it there. As I was growing older, they were disappearing. Do you know, he had a particular breed of what you call beans. In agriculture, they call it cowpeas. Locally, they were calling it by his name. It was not the one that, it's just that he would bring it from Ibadan and introduce it to the locality. After a short while, they started calling some of those seeds by his name, even though it's not the one that developed, just that he's the one that brought it. What's God saying Christians should take pride in? You should walk through that area and say, ah, before my dad came here, they used to farm useless cassava, that their yield was less than 25% of what it is right now. But when he brought, it was not an extension worker. That's, that was, by the way, that's the job of extension workers. Extension workers are supposed to take things into the rural and teach people how to use them. He just brought them for himself, just on his own. You know, but he, has, he also had plots there and okay, give to guys to plan for him and all of that. And everybody, and he trained them on how to use it. But I was growing older, little by little, that one, the old one they had, disappeared from the whole community. Disappeared from the whole community. Did he make any money from it? Absolutely not. The only thing he's gaining from it. He said, I'm telling the story today. That's all. And you know, no, no, okay, of course, he wasn't, he wasn't even thinking about it. It was not something to think about. I don't know whether you're getting what I'm saying. You know, some people, they go through some hassle in life. They make me laugh. Trying to protect some intellectual property. Some things are not protectable. You just can't. God has used it to bring it to the earth. But just leave it. Many of you by now, I'm sure you've downloaded Walk by Faith. Our book, Walk by Faith. See, God gave me that one as a gift. It blessed me with knowledge and understanding. Once I release a book, internet, some people say, this internet, how will I market my books? No. 
My own is the internet. Now I don't have to print it. I don't know whether you're getting my point. My own interpretation of it is this. Now, more people can read without me having to worry my head about distribution. I deliberately used a bit link rather than just normal. Normally, I can just drop it on WhatsApp and then put it on our website and tell people go there and download. I won't be able to count. So normally for the first one month, I just leave it on, on, on BitLink alone just to check whether people are picking it up. Short, within an hour of less than two hours of releasing it, 50 people have downloaded it. Now if I'm marketing, how long will it take me to sell one book after another? I woke up this morning. No, last night when I got home, I checked it again. Within a few hours, almost 300 downloads. The book, um, Worship and Sex Control, before we took it off, uh, BitLink being the main way, before we put it on the website, it has been downloaded over almost 3,000 times. So people are still using BitLink till now. They just find they click on it. Now for me, that's 3,000 books I don't have to carry. That's 3,000 books I don't have to dis- look for how I will distribute. For some people, that's 3,000 books you are not making money on. Okay, let me just add this one. Let me tell you why it's not even necessary. I woke up this morning, first text message, I said, one brother said, I'm sending you 100,000 naira for the book. I woke up this morning. I just saw an, a, a WhatsApp message. Pastor Banky, I'm sending you 100,000 naira for this book. How much do you sell books normally? So definitely, even though I sold the book one five, if you know the printing cost. What I just saw it. Ah. He wrote a long story after that. Too. He just said, please, I'm sending you 100,000 naira. And th- now, please, just by the way, don't go and release your books. Somebody send, nobody, look, listen. This is, a, this is, I have released more than 20-something books. This is the first time anybody is doing this. It is the first time. So don't go, don't go and look like uh, Pastor Daddy way. Look, look. <laughs> you are begging for frustration if you want to. <laughs> what I'm explaining is that you should learn to take joy in seeing the result of the travail of your soul. That alone should make you satisfied. You should just look and say, Ha, thank God, I'm the one the Lord used to do this thing. But the world says, no, how much do you get for it? It's called the worship of mammon. It's called what? The worship of mammon. The worship of mammon. When your focus is on, what do I get for this labor? For us believers, the, another precept will bear in mind that our life was given to us to be poured out. So you just bear this in mind that how am I pouring out my life? For what? Now these are the precepts Christians are supposed to walk by. When we walk by these precepts, discovering what God wants us to do is easy. Now listen to me. When we talk about precepts, we're saying that they are the principles of oppression. That's what precepts are. But what we're trying to say is that be transformed, Paul said, by what? The renewing of your mind. Just push these things into your heart. They form how you make decisions. It's an illustration I've been using for years. A brother asked me once. We're just talking in my office. I have a friend who lives abroad, does the same, you know, in the same profession, the same specialty. So we're talking about it with one brother one day. I just mentioned that my friend, after he finished training, he went abroad and all of that. So he now said to me, do you think it's in a better position than you in this medical practice? This was years ago. Long ago, I mean, about almost 20 years. I said, what do you mean? He said, no, the facilities he has to work, they are better than yours. Now listen to this. So they are better than your own. He has all the facilities. You don't have them here and all of that. So don't think he's in a better position than you are. 
So I asked him a simple question. I said, when he was traveling, did he take my own patients? I said, this is a medical practice. It's not about me. It's about the people I'm practicing on. It's about the people I'm serving. It's about the people I'm serving. I, saw, I said, look, my brother, you have a different perspective. You say, you can do a better job than me. For who? Now, this is not, I'm not judging whether he made a better decision or I made a better decision. That's not the point. I'm talking about precepts, concepts. How, what are, how are you reasoning? I said, no, now. It's not about him. Now, the person in question has been a blessing to us even back home here. You understand? So, that, I'm not even trying to, I'm just trying to tell you how I told this brother. No, you don't reason like that. I said, no. The first time, I t- there's a story I tell once in a while, many years ago. I mean, my wife was pregnant with Victory at that time. I went to the U.S. for a particular program for a few weeks. Now, the hospital where I went to do the course is America's number two, if I one of America's top cancer centers. Big. So the secretary of the department, a white woman, one day she was showing me around. So it was also showing me how to take a bus home so that my, my movement would be easier. I you know, buy a card that I spent for the, um, for the whole month that I would be there. So we're at the bus stop. So just, just of course, I'm from Nigeria, so I'll tell you about Nigeria. She's telling me about how things work there. So along the line, I asked her, no, just tell me about how Nigeria is. Now, things are much different now. I'm telling you that this was the 2007, and we're in 2022 now, right? Are we 2022 or 2023? All these election people, they don't let you know which year. <laughs> they don't know which year you're in now. <laughs> so this was long ago. But things are much different now. They are better now, far better in that profession. So I was just talking with her. So I said that in Nigeria, that the whole of Nigeria does not have up to then, we did not have up to 50 in the whole country. In the whole country. So I just wanted to give her a you know, comparison issues. And I said that, we just came out of the hospital, you know, where the bus stop. I said that, how many pathologists do they have? I wanted to compare to, the, to Nigeria. She said, um, ah, maybe about 100. No, I said, I thought she didn't understand me. I said, excuse me, no. I said, I mean, now, when we talk about pathology, generally, there are four arms. So most times, even the one you judge is what pathology, we tend to refer to one arm, all right, which is where I'm in. But the other four, are, they're also pathology, okay? But they commonly are not called like that. They tend to use their specific name. You say him, it's a hematologist, or you know, it's a microbiologist, all right? So I, I said, maybe she's confusing what I'm saying. I said, please, anatomic pathology. He said, you mean such path and cytopath? I said, yes. I said, I don't mean chemical pathology and all of that. She said, yes. That she heard me right. That there are about a hundred. I looked at the... No, we just came out of the hospital like, what? Are you serious? He said, no, no, but she told me earlier that they are building a new building that this one I came, I'm coming at the time they're about to pack from this building. That they have a new... When I say building, they don't mean bungalow. A, a whole high rise dedicated to them alone so they can have enough space. I told the woman, I am going home. I said, now some people have said, I said, any tempt, now there was no temptation. But any temptation I had at that time, if it was there, just got killed to stay in America. I said, what? In one institution you have a hundred, and the whole country I'm coming from did not have 50. You think that's a big deal? I want to, because people listen to us from everywhere. Let me know if you're asking, you're somebody. One West African country did not have one. There was one preacher that came from there. They came to my house because one of my friends who was hosting. So they came to visit. 
So in the, in the process of Jesus, he found out that my pastologist said, eh, okay, now say that whether I am willing or I know somebody who's willing to go to their country, I won't tell you the name of the country, West African country. I found that they did not have one. Either that very country or another one, I have two of my colleagues there right now. Most of their pathologists are from Nigeria. They go on some aid call. Federal government sometimes will send them there, pay them their salaries down here, but they go and work in that country for a while. And look at them, wait, excuse me. Now, you, you know, we think things are bad in this country, right? This guy was my resident doctor. He still called me about two weeks ago because he came home. First time he went, when he came, he was talking to me. He said, sir, things are bad. I said, what do you mean? He was telling them things, basic things that they don't have. Uh-uh. I'm like, what did you say? Suddenly, where I'm living right now, that is Enugu here, felt like heaven. That is where I'm going. Do you know an average person would think it is better to go and work in Europe than go to the West African countries? No, that's not Christian mindset. Christian mindset, that's what I'm telling you the story. I told Ali, Daddy, I said, I don't want to come to your country. Not, not because the country is bad. I love the country. Believe me. I love America. Just I love Nigeria a little bit more. <laughs> Do you get my point? I said, my own is that you don't need me. When I came to Enugu, I was the first pathologist UNTH had had in 10 years. 10 or 11 years. Like I said, things are better now. Now, I'm, I'm trying to explain to you the mind of a believer. So one day, one student that I helped them, give, because when I came, they had some problems. So a number of them used to come. I give them personal le- lessons, or coaching, uh, tutorials. So the next exam, they did well. So one of them, a lady, traveled, went abroad for what they call it, electives. When she came back, she now came to see me in the office. Ah, to greet me very well and to thank me for those tutorials that I gave them. Because before I came, the other lecturers had just come and go, you know, touch and go, give them one or two classes and disappear. So they were not learning. So I met them, they failed the first exam. I remember I told those ones, I said, you'll be happy you failed. They're like, ah, well, anyway, how many failed? I said, this failure has given you the opportunity to meet me. Because if you pass before I, I came, you will have passed with empty heads. But now, you failed, I will put knowledge in your head. I said, they're looking at me like, and that time, you know, I was a very young guy. Not now that, you know, things have changed. But no, no, this. They're looking like, where this Lagos boy just come by, they speak like this. But by the time I really was done with them, it's one of them, this young woman. I still remember her name. She came back and said, sir, thank you. Now, she didn't remember I said what I said. But she actually said this. She said, thank God I met you. Thank God we filled that exam. He said, because if not, Ha! She repeated what I said without remembering. She said that I would have been looking like a fool. She said, when I got there, she said, those things you taught us now. Nah. She said, when they talk, I talk my own too. They talk, I talk my own. This girl was shining. You know, she was just like, oh, God, I go there, I flinch for them, forget. God will bless you, sir. You know, she was feeling very... Then she now made the next statement. He said, the young, brilliant people like you, sir, you are just wasting this country. <laughs> she said that, she said that, she said that. He says, sir, you just need to pack and go. You need to go. He said, when you, I'm, I'm still seeing her in my head. I sat behind my desk, I was looking at her like this. He says, sir, you are just wasting here. She used those words. Sir, you are just wasting here. This place does not understand people like you. They can't, he said, your potential needs to be expressed. You need to go. When you go there, you know, when she finished. I let her finish. I was waiting. He says, sir, really, you're serious. I'm serious, sir. You just have to. You know, young, brilliant people like you must go there. And I said to her, I said, so, who will teach the next set of ignoramuses like you? I just gave you my exact words. 
Those were the exact words I used. I said, so who will teach the next set of ignoramuses like you that will show up? Then she was quiet. I said, it's true, I know she wasn't convinced, but... Because I said, look, so your own, your own deduction from this experience is that I, I told, for 10 years, you didn't know anything because I wasn't here. I came to solve a serious problem. You think the way I should reward this system is to put the next set of student, students in jeopardy. Now, what I want to say is, is interesting, okay? But people like that, what you should have done is, uh, ah, sir, God will bless you. Ah, you really tried. You left Lagos. You came here. Ah, many people like you have gone abroad. Though. Hey, thank God for those who are there, but those of, who you, those of you who stayed around. Actually, one of my students sent me a message recently. That group, you know, they are all over the place now. You know the way Nigeria, they are all over the world. He said, ah, sir, I heard you are saying Nenugu. God will bless you, sir. Yeah, that's what he said. That you are saying Nenugu. Ah, he said, God will bless you. Thank you for making the sacrifice. That's people that have understanding. People like that young woman, what you should have been thinking is that, sir, me, of course, I know she's going. Okay, me, I they go. I will leave you here. But anything you need, let us know. Seriously, periodically, it's your home. It's your base. Let's talk natural geography a bit. You're from Enugu, I'm not. That's, forget that, just natural, just, you know. You should be concerned, like, ah, sir, please do. Occasionally, send me a message. What can we do to help? How are the students... You know, fairing. Oh, there's a way they teach here. Is there a way we can help you acquire this to improve? Not tell me that people like me should move. You know why we reason like that? Because we think life is about us. Our lives were given to us for us to pour out. Around that time, one brother, around the same period, not, not that's as the first story I told, not the second one. This one was earlier. This, this encounter with this young woman is the first one I'm telling you about when I went for that course. One brother came to my house, we're talking. Young doctor too, doing NYC. We're just just in. I said, he's traveling, you know, and all of that. I didn't have any problem. I just wanted to know, okay, what's the plan? I said, why are you traveling? Nothing wrong with it, please. I keep on saying nothing wrong with traveling. We're talking about what? Precepts. I said, why? Because I just believe that, you know, in this life, that I have to get the best in life. I wasn't angry with him. I said, well, that's where you and I differ. I believe that this life, I have to give the best in life. I just look for how I can give the best. That's what I just told him. Is, see, when you have these thoughts, if God wants you to be in Slovenia, you will get there. I hope you're getting my point. It's having the right thoughts we're talking about. If God wants you to be in Bosnia, one day you'll find yourself in Bosnia. If you have the right thoughts, if God wants you to stay in Enugu, you will be in Enugu. If he wants to be in Abuja, you will find yourself in Abuja in the will of God. The will of God does not mean God spoke to me. He speaks to people, it is true, but he hardly does. He hardly does. That is audible voices, dreams and visions. It's not a common thing. He doesn't often use it to give us direction. What he uses most times is to teach us what is right and what is wrong. Then expose us to circumstances in which we will take that wealth of knowledge of his precepts to make the decision. And if you use the precepts to make the decision, it will always, 100% of the times, rhyme with the will of God. And when it doesn't rhyme, he will stop it by himself. Then he will interject with a dream, with a vision, or overriding circumstances so that you will not have a choice but to stop the thing that you are trying to do. Please, I hope you are getting my point. A key precept, therefore, from this things I have said in life is that we must be givers as a habit. If you understand your life is meant to be poured out, you are, see, you are being trained to be poured out. I hope you're getting my point. What did I say? 
That's it. I like the way TDJ said it. He said, and it's the one I heard it from. Well, I heard it from two people, but I think he was the first to say it. Now, he said that it was he called it communion, that your life is a communion. And Paul said it like that. I'm being, you know, I'm being poured out as what? As a drink offering. It's the same thing. Jesus broke, took the wine. That was what? His blood, which was poured out for our sake. So he said that day Jesus took bread. Listen to this carefully. Jesus took bread. What's the first thing he did? The day of communion. What's the first thing he did? He blessed it. The first thing he did was to bless the bread. The next thing, he broke it. The next, he gave it. That's what he did with the bread. So TDJ said, there's a stage in your life God will bless you. That's where it starts from. He blesses you. Now, let me add my own words. Two kinds of blessings. He gives you the word. You sit down like this, you are being blessed. He gives you a revelation of what he has done for you in Christ. And you're all excited. I hope you're getting my point. You're all excited. Then he gives you food. He gives you clothing. He gives you raiment. He gives you a good job. You have money coming in. He blesses you. Then next, what does he do? He breaks you. That breaking process, oh my God, it's not, it's not often nice. That job you so enjoy, you thrived in. Say, give me first. Where's my regular income? It's not going to come. So, no income. No, income is not coming. Income is not coming. So, you are forced to what? Practice the things you have learned. Do you get me? You are forced to practice the things you have what? You have learned. What he's doing, he's breaking you. The things that are inside you, they are coming out. Then finally, he can now give you as a blessing. You know, you are blessed to be what? A blessing. I hope you're getting my point. So, this is what I'm going to say. The reason why God blesses you and then breaks you is so that he can what? Give you. Distribute you. Please bear it in mind. That is what Christians must have in mind. You are a giver. Because God, what did God say to Abraham? I will bless you, you'll be what? You'll be a blessing. I will bless you, you will be a blessing. The reason why you are being blessed is so that you can be a blessing. I said something the other day and I'm not joking about it. In fact, I'm taking this more serious thing. I'm a very serious person now. If you thought I was serious before, now now I'm serious. I have a new, <laughs> a new agenda in life. Anybody that listens to me must understand spiritual things. That's my agenda. It's my primary focus. I will teach until you can literally walk in the spirit. Listen, please. I've gotten a funny small reputation. One man saw me the other day. Hey, Pastor Banky! Pastor Banky! Pastor Banky, the man who gives out his books free. So that's all this healing is about. Yeah, he was so excited. Of course, we get messages all the time. Oh, thank you for making your materials free. I, I remember one, one guy sent us a mail. He went to, I won't mention the name of the minister. Not a bad thing. He went to one minister's website. wanted to download materials. You click. It says $10. Ah. So this one was the 419. So he went back, kept on searching, searching. Ah, he kept on getting back to this website. Click on this one. The whole pack is $15 or $20. So he said, what's going on? He started investigating. He said, no, no. Ah, messages, messages are supposed to be for sale now. They now wrote to me. They said, sir, now you call some. <laughs> that he, he, he was so used to the way things are done in Kingdom World. He thought it was standard to every ministry. Ah, no, it's not standard. 
It's not standard. Now, please, I'm not saying it's wrong for those who do it. They have their reasons. But I want to tell you the reason I do what I do. The reason that I do what I do is because I was given the knowledge, the understanding, and the ability. It's called grace. So that I can impart knowledge to people. The knowledge of God. God said, you know, they came to John. Who do we say you are? What do we tell the, person, the people that sent us? He said, tell them, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. And he was quoting from where? Isaiah chapter 40. Thank you. So you know what it means? You read your life, you will find a portion of the scriptures that describes your life. There is a portion of the scriptures that describe your life. It may take you a while to find it, but you will find it. Just keep on reading the Bible. You will, dis- you will find it. I found mine. He said, I will give you pastors after my heart. Who will do what? Feed you with knowledge and with understanding. When I read that one, I said, thank you, see, this is your name. John said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. And I said, I am a pastor after his heart. Pastor doesn't mean I rub your back. You should know that I do not rub people's backs. You know what I mean? To do, where is paining you now? No. The job of the shepherd is what? Feed. So what I do is to feed with knowledge and with understanding. For that reason, having identified that purpose, and he said that the earth will be full of the knowledge of God as the water covers the sea. So my own aim is to feed every opportunity. Fill, 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 fill. It is the reason why once God gave us the Roman road, we discussed that before, of the internet, to disseminate the word of God, I had the duty to remove as many hindrances as possible. The Lord has taught me something. You know, Isaiah said, the Lord spoke to me with what? A mighty hand, saying, don't call a confederacy what this will call a confederacy. Neither fear ye their fears. I hope you're getting my point. The Lord has spoken to me with a strong arm also. Banky, never do anything for the money to bring for you. I, you know, sometimes I'll be trying to plan something. God will be looking at me like, Banky, don't lie to me. Because you know you can't. What happens you are lying to yourself? You think if you do this one, money will come from it. And is there a problem with that? Yes, there is a problem with that. You know what he said to me? If you want money, ask for it. Once he has spoken, twice I have heard it. If I want money, the other day I was praying, I said, Lord, I won't ask you for money now because I don't know what I'm supposed to do with it because I have food to eat right now. And I'm not, you know, I'm not the type, nothing, I'm not saying it's evil, but I'm just not the type that wants a house here, want a house there, wants a house there, wants a house all over the place. You know why? Because I found out that every material blessing comes with material headache. I hope you know that. Every material blessing comes with material headache. I don't know whether my mother is listening to this or not, so I won't say some things I want to say. <laughs> if I was there, I would have switched up. She might be listening to this, so let me leave it. The Lord is good. <laughs> no, let me just leave it. I know my sister may be listening. I say, come and hear what your son said about you while he was preaching. Let me leave that. Let me just leave it. But the point is that every material blessing comes with what? Material headache. Only the gather somewhere say, come and buy land, come and buy land. I joined them to buy land, though. I did. No, I didn't buy, but I joined. I wanted to buy. 
So when I found that most of them just wanted to buy land to hold and then maybe to appreciate the owner sell it, I, I pulled out. I said, I thought you wanted to buy land so that we all build there together. This was years ago. So it was cheap. I said, I'm not buying. If the price will go up, I said, no. Trouble will also go up. Leave that. Everything goes up. As price is going up, so is trouble going up. And I've personally experienced some of these things. So I said, I don't have time for that headache. Now, occasionally they will send a message and uh, send 150000 for uh, they want to join me for perimeter fencing. I'll start laughing. Uh, now, so every once in a while, I get that. Now, I'm not, in the, I'm not among them. But I said, but I thought it was just to buy and then walk away. I said, no. The next thing you hear that some people are encroaching. We have decided that they are. <laughs> the trouble has not ended. I'm not saying don't buy land. I'm just telling you why I don't. Every material blessing comes with what? Material headache. So I'm not under pressure. So I've told the Lord. The Lord told me simply by his spirit. If you want money, ask for it. If you want money, ask for it. For that reason, whatever I want to do, money must never be in front. Lie, lie, it must. I'm primarily a preacher. So that's why we do what we are doing. There's no special reason. I hope you get my point. Now the Lord said to you, no, 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 no. You've seen the precepts. You've seen the precepts. This is what we operate by. What I'm trying to use it to teach to believers is simple. And that is the fact that Always see your life as a blessing that God gave to this earth. Jesus took bread, then he what? He blessed it, then he broke it, and then he what? He gave it. He called Abraham. That's what he did with Abraham. He took Abraham and blessed him. And then he broke him. He said, go and sacrifice Isaac. I hope you're getting my point. And Abraham did what he was told. Then the Lord said, take this ram in place of the boy. And then now we are all called sons of who? Abraham. Please, I'm getting our mindset changed for us to know when you are making decisions in life, it must be like this. Now you are going to ask me a question. Now that's why we read Philippians. When Paul said, for me to live is Christ. To die is gain. What was Paul saying? Paul was explaining to the people that if I'm going to be alive, is because of the service of your faith. I'm not alive for any other thing than to serve your faith. So, Paul was said, I mean, I like in James' expression there, I'm in a straight betwixt two. That English is very sweet, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes. That is, I mean, undecided. There are two op- options here. Either to depart and be with the Lord, which he said is what? You're not sure? What did he say? No, he didn't say it's better. He said it is far better. Better is better. Far better is like they, are can, they can't be compared. Listen, if a Christian dies, hmm? can I use the word of Paul? If a Christian sleeps, and that, he learned that from Jesus Christ, Lazarus, our friend, is asleep. If a Christian sleeps, never feel sorry for the person who's asleep. We feel pity for those who are on earth who are left behind. They will feel sorrow, they will feel pain. But the Christian is far better. The Christian is now far better. The Christian, the believer is now far better. The testimonies we have heard, there's none I have heard. I've heard many testimonies. But there's none I have heard in which person say I'm going back home. Meet Jesus Christ. Say Jesus, ah, now? No, no, no. No, 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 no. I don't come here. No, I get a wife for house. I get children. I get land. We just finished my house. 
Won't I even sleep in one day in it? If you spend all your energy building a hut and then you put a mat on the floor, you see they are opening the hut tomorrow. Remember what's on the floor? A mat. Have you seen a hut before? Have you slept in a hut before? Did you say yes? Okay. Have I slept in a hut before? I think I've laid down before. I can't remember that I've slept overnight. But anyway, we are together. Don't mind these other people. They don't know these things. Now let us assume. Just imagine what it's like in a hut. A hut is a hut. You know what I mean? Brick, you know, mud, round, tarsed roof, and the, which means that a snake can fall through the roof on your head at night, you know. Sometimes you have to put something to smoke away the insects. Now this is where I'm going. You built it, spent good local village money on it. Effort, not money. Then the day before opening, they bring you to town and give you a well-finished duplex, AC, with spring bed. Will you say, please, let me just do one night in my hut? No, it's a simple question. We say, no, after the effort I put in that hut, I must sleep there one night. Will you say that? The moment they put you, when you just enter, you say, this is mine, yes. You get the remote like this. You press. Your television is 72 inch. And you know you are a football aficionado. As you press like this, Messi is running towards the goal. Oh! You almost jump into the television trying to rejoice with Messi. Have you ever, have you ever watched um, a match? I don't watch football, but if you ever watch Football, high definition on a big screen. You will join UEFA Cup. The thing looks so real. You think they want to run out of this screen. Should I tell you something? You will not remember your heart. You won't remember your heart. You would not remember your heart. In your heart, you have to go down the stream, down the road to, to the stream to get water. Remember that hot? Nice hot. You worked hard. In fact, you cleared your own portion of the spring and you fenced around. Clean water. But in this house, you open the tap, water flows out. You open this other one, hot water comes out. Then you take another remote, control the, you know, climate control. Please, I'm not begging you again. Be honest with me. Will you say, for all the effort I put in, can I just do one week in my hut? What is that you will do? You go to the village and say, when I was building this hut, you're a good man. I give it to you. <laughs> yeah. You will dash one of the other hot builders. But as for me and my house, we have moved to GRA, Enugu. Thank you very much. You would, now, that's how it is with heaven. The moment you leave this earth, now listen to me, the moment you behold the glory of Jesus Christ, his glory automatically knocks out your memory. It does. You will forget everything. Do you know what I found about those men? They even forget their wives and their children. That's the one my wife can't believe. <laughs> Say, my husband, you mean if you die that you won't remember us? Better tell Jesus to remember you because you see, <laughs> once you enter the place of the presence of the Lord, you can't remember any other thing. I've heard a few testimonies. All the testimonies I've heard, when Jesus would tell them, yeah, you are going back, they look like, for what? Uh, I like it here. The Lord would have to say, No. You are going back. Then they open their eyes. They are in the hospital. Instantly, they don't remember anything. They're just like, ah, what's going on here? The next day, ah, they start playing events back. No. A moment ago, this is not where I was. They, then Jesus has to literally, literally fade that glory away from their mind. If not, they will die the next day. If he does not deliberately fade it away, 
See, there's a way spiritual things work. Where your heart is, where your heart is locked, you are being pulled towards that place. One reason why I want to die on this is that we don't meditate on Jesus Christ enough. If we meditate on Christ enough, nothing on this earth will be able to hold us. And they say terrorists want to take over an area. You're looking like, uh-huh. So, what's the worst they will do? No, there's this, what's the worst they will do? Kill somebody. I bet. Let me hear what. So, that's why Paul said, to depart and be with Christ is what? Far better. He said, nevertheless, and I'm talking about the life being poured out. He said, nevertheless, it is better I stay for your sake. There is a reason. There is something I'm doing on the earth. That's why I'm around. That's why we read that. We read the second portion. What's the second portion? Luke chapter 16. The story of what? One day the Lord, I believe it was the Holy Spirit, prompted me to join a particular meeting. One of our brothers does online. That day, he was just impressed strongly upon me. Join now. I like to join once in a while. So that day, and sometimes you know the way Zoom meetings might be. You are zooming in a meeting. You attend to something else. You can be zooming and ironing. Those of you who say you are in any ground, you are zooming. You have to have made up my mind. You are not a serious person. I, I, I'm talking to you. Yeah, you. Pastor, say me. Yes, you. You are in Enugu and you can't get here. Say you will join us by Zoom. You are not serious. Why? Because I know the way Zoom is. I'm in a Zoom meeting. My wife will clearly tap me. Excuse me. She doesn't want to talk. Say, is your microphone on mute? I said, it's on mute. <laughs> please, I don't want to interrupt. But please, do you know where I kept my car keys? I'm in a Zoom meeting. <laughs> and my daughter will knock. You won't answer because you're in a meeting. Then the knock will not stop. Daddy, are you not inside there? I'm in a meeting. Okay, okay, okay. I'll come back. But I was just wondering, did you carry the laptop? No, I did not. I'm in a meeting. Okay, okay, I'll come back. Then, you know, it's Zoom. You know what that means? Your internet is on. Then, PIM, WhatsApp message. PIM, another WhatsApp message. You keep on swiping the screen to dismiss notifications. That is why when you can avoid it, please, don't join a Zoom meeting. Go physically. I mean, spiritual meeting. All right? Don't say, you are in Enugu. You can come down here. We meet early in the morning. Why can't you wake up? What is wrong with you? Did you drink last night? Come on, wake up and come and hear. He said, uh, he said the children, park the children inside the car. They never bath. They go bath after this meeting. Do you, do you get my point? I mean, sure. I saw this man yesterday. I said, what are you doing in town? He said, I came for Bible study. I'm a spiritual man. But yet I was shocked. He said, no, no, no. He said, when you move to Saturday morning, he says it became nice. So I come on Friday. I join the discussion. And I attend Bible study on Saturday. And I go back to Port Harcourt. You drive? No. I come by public transport. That's why Jesus said that those who enter heaven. I said, I'm not joking. No. It's one of our brothers from Port Harcourt. I said, Anytime, I, I, I just used to assume that, okay, I'm in town. Let me attend Bible study. He said, no, I came for Bible study. He said, but because you now do Saturday mornings, it made it beautiful. So I finished work on Friday. I quickly get into the vehicle, get back down here before 5. Join the Bible study, sleep over, join the Saturday morning on. After, I'm, I'm on my way back to Portacot. I know it sounds so wonderful, but if it was money we were sharing, 
you will think he's wise. It was like, wow, you did that? <laughs> See, I've said it to you. God doesn't bless you for the wealth of knowledge you have in your head. It's the value you have for each of the words he speaks that matters. That's all, by the way. So, and I take the opportunity to just drop some things. So that day, one of our brothers holds a meeting out of the country, not close by. So, but it's a Zoom meeting, it's not a physical meeting. So I joined. But that day, I, I particularly was prompted. I remember very well. And then second prompting was to focus and not to do any other thing. So that day, I sat down and tried my best to focus on the meeting and not be distracted. And my God, that was the first day our sister that was sharing opened my eyes by the Holy Spirit to this particular scripture that we read, that Luke chapter 16. Lazarus, now please, I'm talking about the Christian mindset. How you will do everything in life. Spiritual things are real. You choose the realm you want to walk in. If you want to walk in a realm where every struggle, you, that is, your blessing comes from your struggles. You can choose that realm. It's called the realm of Adam under the curse. From the sweat of your brow, you will eat bread. Now listen to this. By the time you are going to change to another realm, it's not going to be because it is easy. It, is, it will be because you discovered it to be the truth. And then when you walk in it, because you see what happens is that God, God tests your determination. It tests your faith. That's the word. It does not, I, I would draw the word determination. I use the word faith. It tests your faith, whether you are really serious about that work. It's called patience. That's why Paul said, with true faith and do what? And patience inherit what? The promises. What is faith? That you believe what the Lord has said. You are holding on to what God has said. What is patience? You've given your life to it and you're not going to change your mind. So that is why it plays out physically as time. It's a test of the genuineness of the faith. It's a test of the genuineness of the faith. Bear in mind. So when you are going to change, you are going to have some challenges initially. God is just testing whether you are serious. And sometimes the things of God are counterintuitive. That is, common sense will say it's not going to be like this. One of the things, when I read the book, Richard Poor Dad, by Robert Kiyosaki. It's not a spiritual book, but there are lessons in it. The man said something. They wanted to make money, he and his friend. So they went to this, what, the man he ended up calling his rich dad. Rich dad had a son who was his friend. So he and rich dad's son went to rich dad to go and learn. And one of the first things rich dad had to tell, teach them was how not to labor for the bread that perishes. I'm using scriptures now to explain something. What the man said, that stop working for money. He wanted to teach them in such a manner that they will work without thinking about money. So they will get to a point in time in life, money will work for them. So how did he do it? He gave them a job. They said they want to learn how to make money. They said, all right, you work in my store. They were little boys. So he said what they would do. There was no air condition in those days. And then so the shop's windows were all open. So in this particular shop also, the windows were open. So when cars would drive by, and most of the road was not even tarred. So dust would be raised. And then, of course, you know the way it is. The whole, all the items would be gathered dust over the day. So their job every day, so come early in the morning and dust the stuff. You know, they had this you know, feathery stuff. Just get this dust off. So it's not a big job. Kids could do it. And he was paying them, let's use Nigerian English, tashere money. You know what they call tashere? Just tiny money. 
Everybody I heard, they were angry, like, how can you pay this kind of money? And these boys are working so hard. The man knew what he was doing. So one day, he went to go and meet the rich dad. Like, excuse me, sir. I need to talk to you. So the man said, what is the issue? The money you are paying us is too small. I think you should give us a raise. You know what the man said to them? I was waiting for this day. I need to come. He said, it always comes. Now, please, I, I don't want to teach business principles there. I want to teach spiritual principles from there. I hope you're getting my point. He said, I need to come. The man said, that's the problem everybody has. You are laboring now, please. Because of time, I'll just summarize it. You are laboring for money. So after I talked to the young boys, he said, now we're going to make an improvement in your pay package. So what's the improvement? He said, from now on, I pay you nothing. You do the same work. The boy looked at me and said, I came here complaining <laughs> that the money was not enough. I didn't know the discussion. You are telling me what? I won't get anything. The man said, that's a new deal. But he was teaching them, so he understood. So the young man left and started walking this time around for what? Zero pay. The man said, I want you guys to stop working for money. That's what he was saying. Now, let's, let me just make a long story short, okay? Like I said, I'm not teaching the details of what he said. Is that lesson I want Christians to also learn. In his own case, in the process of working, he got certain ideas that began to make him money on the side. I don't want to go into that now. But where I want you to get to is that same thing. The things of God are often like that. They are counterintuitive. You say don't work for money. But we're supposed to work. He that does not work should not eat. God doesn't say he will eat from the work he's doing. He just says if he doesn't work, let him not eat. And it's a curse to eat from the sweat of your brow. It's a curse. Remember I started by saying you make up your mind with the realm in life you want to walk in. And this is the realm, I'll just drop it briefly and then we'll close. And that will be the end of the series. We are being poured out. We are a gift to life. We are a blessing. We have been blessed to be a blessing. God will make all grace abound toward us. We will have all sufficiency in all things and abound to every good work. I hope you're getting my point. That is what we are in Christ Jesus. But the world wants to turn it the other way around. He wants the boss to be to us the giver and we are the receiver. He wants the customer to be to us the giver and we are the receiver. The world wants us to be on the receiving end rather than being on the giving end. And that is one thing we must break. It's a mentality we must break. I'm going to dare many young people here. When you leave school, tell yourself for the first two years, I am going to look for work where we work in such a manner that, that my aim is let me just find something I can bless somebody with. I will not discuss my pay. No matter how little it is, I will give them 48 months. Sometimes you can decide that it's five years, depending on the kind of work. You can say five you don't know, it's just between you and God. Though. Now listen to me, it's five years of being broke half of the time. So don't think that uh, God will not, you know, many of the things we are doing, like God will not, no, God will not anything. Just do it. It's five years your friends are buying cars you will not buy. Five years that you have to learn how to wear shirts that don't fade when you wash them. Five years of becoming very cool wearing jeans. Not because you love jeans, but because it's the thing you can wear every day nobody notices. Five years of learning to manage your life. Just saying that, no, let me give. I tell young people, when you get a job, you leave school. They quickly rush to go and buy an expensive phone. They quickly go and rush to go and buy a car. Don't be stupid. That's how not to be blessed in this life. As long as you leave school, didn't you go to a fellowship on campus? Change their keyboard. You will save for six months, I know. Buy them a new keyboard. 
You don't need a phone here. The one you used for six uh, for uh, for the last one year that you didn't die using it. One more year won't kill you. There are cheap phones that can. All the, the only thing smart about them is that they can read news and they can do WhatsApp. What are you doing on Facebook? I'm going to say, man, just decide that I'm going to manage my life. You go back home, ah, your father, you know, he doesn't have so much money, but he sweated to take care of you and your younger ones. So this first year, is my project. Every day I drive by home, I go by home, I must bring something. I will decide, I won't tell him, I just look, daddy, you need a big TV, you like football. Then come home, drag a smart TV, 50 inch, made from a good country, not one... No, those, not the one that you, not, the, the name na sticker. No, I mean the one that if na LG na LG make him, if na Samsung na Samsung make him, if it's Sony, it's not Sony which are the U S U N Y. I don't mean I mean it's S-O, the real one, uh, not Sony, not Sony. <laughs> Listen, it may cost you to save for months, but just say no. Let me bless this man. Let me put a smile on his face. Your mother loves jewelry. She doesn't have because you are going to school. Other ones, you join deeper life. It's not out of conviction. It's so that you can go to school. <laughs> Just a moment. It's okay now. Even Pastor W.F. Kumi said, these are non-essential church doctrines. Come on, buy her something nice. Buy her a nice set. Now, one man can emphasize, of course, we all know to do that, but it's going to be a, whole, a project. You don't have what you are giving. You don't have what you are giving. You go to your fellowship on campus and say to them, this drum, is it pajamas they used to do the top? It's not nice. This is not supposed to be. They say, oh, God, we know just that the real drums, go and prize it. Is that your income for one whole month or two months? Say, don't worry. I'll send you, you guys one tomorrow. Go and meet the supplier, please. Can I pay you small money? He says, okay, give it to them. They will hear you say, oh, God, don't hammer. The man of faith is the one that has hammered. They will think you are rich. Of course, initially, they will not, all of them will not come with all their troubles. That's what they will do. Don't worry about them. Don't answer them. Just do the one you want to do. Because you need to break the mindset that makes you a taker rather than a giver. You need to break the mindset that makes you a taker rather than a giver. I was telling you about the Zoom meeting I attended. So the sister began to share, my God, never saw it like that before. What did she say? Now, that was when my eyes opened to this. Even though the truth, you know, we've shared it here many times, but the way she showed it from here, I knew that was what the Holy Spirit wanted me to hear that day. Lazarus, was he rich or poor? Very poor. What did he desire in life? Crumbs. Now, please, I'm not here to preach prosperity. The way it's often preached. I want to bring out an issue here. The rich man, was he rich or poor? That's why they called him rich. He was rich. Did he go to hell because he was rich? No, answer me. Be honest, be honest. No. There were many reasons he went to hell. One of them being of course, his faith is the issue, but manifested in that he did not show mercy to the poor. All right? But what I want to bring out is the fact that Lazarus desired crumbs from a rich man's table. Lazarus, was he a believer? I mean, the way we call believers now. All right? Was he a believer or not? No, don't argue on whether Jesus had come or not come. I mean, I'm trying to bring out something there. He had faith in God, right? And he went to Abraham's bosom. Did he go to Abraham's bosom because he was poor? Because Abraham, who was the bosom, was not poor. <laughs> Do you get my point? Because if that was the issue, Abraham would not make him to the place. Not, not be guardian other people into the bosom. <laughs> now, so we know he didn't make it to Abraham's bosom because he was poor. He made it into Abraham's bosom because he had faith. So he was a type of a Christian. The rich man is a type of the world. Typical. No faith in God. 
doesn't care about the poor. But he was rich. You can be an unbeliever and be rich. But what made Lazarus' case wrong, I'll tell you. The Bible says he desired what? Crumbs from the world's table. Now, get it. He chose to be a beggar. That's the point I'm making. This is a believer who decided that what I'm going to be is what? A beggar. From the world. So I run up and down telling the world to give me crumbs. Listen to me. Please, I mean no insults against a man like Ali Kodangote. If he pays you a million naira a month, I hope you know his crumbs. If Ali Kodangote pays you one million naira a month, he will not notice he's spending money. Hola, Inka. How much was his dividends for 2020? From cement alone. Not sugar, not other businesses. It was $770 million. Do that in today's Naira. That was dividends he collected from cement alone. If he gave you $12 million a year salary, he doesn't notice it. And he can give 50 of you. He donates, when he wants to donate money at the time, he say it's 200 millionaire. I'm not talking about him as a person. I'm talking about that the world can be rich. Listen, that day, the sister pointed out to us, she said it was a prophetic word. She was, it was a vision she had. I said, my God, this is so true. Listen to this. That in life, you have to make up your mind. Are you going to be a giver or you'll be what? A beggar. It's an attitude. You can work in the same man's house or office, but you are not here as a beggar. It's not the one million naira you are looking for. It is a blessing you are going to be to him. So that if all he's giving is 10,000 naira, it doesn't make much of a difference to you because you came here to do what? To give. You came here to be a blessing. You came here to release something into their lives. And it's a mindset that we must have. Again, yesterday I was driving down here. The traffic did not lock, but I just said, Kai, why are we like this? Let me beg you. When you're in traffic, always yield. Be the first to yield. When everybody's rushing to pass, they will insult you from behind. Though. You know those guys behind? Press your brake. Let the other group. Now, that may cost you the next five minutes. But in your life, make sure you are a giver. Make sure you are a giver. When I say giver, it's not just money. It's just an attitude. You walk into an office, it's not how much do they pay, that's the first thing. No, because you see, remember I said, you have to deliberately break away from being a beggar. Because if you don't, the destiny that God has prepared for you will not be released. One of my classmates said something the other day. We're just talking about Nigeria. He lives in the UK. He said that, they asked some questions, we're discussing some things. He said, if you guys have fixed that too, would have been a nice time to come back home. He said, because this winter is not a place, one does not want to stay in UK, this coming winter, you know, with the new fuel, you know, energy prices and everything. He said, if Nigeria was better now, it would have been a good time to come back home. I asked him, I said, who will fix it for you to come to? I said, my friend, stay there. I said, fair weather friend. While I did what you did, you're looking for, I said, who will fix this one for you? We, are, we don't want you back. I said, you hear what I said? Stay. <laughs> We turn out to quarrel again. Now, that's the attitude I'm saying. Say, if Nigeria was better now, we would need to come back home. How will it be better? Who did you leave there to, 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 to make it better? 
My mates are not young people. And you are saying if it was better, who will fix it? Half of the governors are younger than you. Your mates are the senators. Your mates are the, what do you call it, ministers. Then you are saying if it was better, who is supposed to fix it? Who? One day I was talking with some people in, 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 in the teaching hospital here. He said, our leaders, I said, excuse me, what did you say? He said, our leaders, I said, you are the director of finance of this large institution. You are telling me our leaders. I told him that, I said, look at you. You are telling me our leaders. I said, how will, which day will you realize that you are a leader? One of our brothers said, he had some dealings, so he worked with a man who was working for the president, so he works under the president for some time. He said, you get to Asorok, you know what they are saying there? If only the government can do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he looked and said, hey, excuse me, where am I, where am I, where am I, where am I? I am in Asorok, and the people there are saying, if the government could do this. One of my classmates said something. That she went, she didn't tell us the name. She went out in the U.S., went to the market with a former head of state's wife. Did you hear what I said? The wife of a former head of state in Nigeria. She didn't tell us the name. We had to be racking our head to guess who it was. Said the woman was saying, eh, this is kind of the government should do in Nigeria. And she was looking like, excuse me. Said she didn't have to tell her, I said, madam, you are telling me what government should do in Nigeria. Do you know how long your husband was in power? But you're kind of, yes, ma'am. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Government should do it indeed. Amen. Government should do it. She said she was alarmed. Like, excuse me? Your husband was president. He gave us the length of time. So we're trying to use that one to guess. And you are telling us this is the kind of thing government should do in Nigeria. I can assure you, President Buhari is there now wishing government will do something. <laughs> what am I trying to say? Do you know we are the government? Yes, sir. Now I want to give you an assignment today. From today, I don't care how young you think you are. Realize. Every single one listening to me, start thinking of yourself as I am the government. Now, this is something I told you, spiritual things are counterintuitive. It will not be like the thing that comes naturally. That is, you get to a traffic area, there's trouble. Just realize in your mind, now it's a spiritual thing. I am the government. You'll be amazed at how God will use you to put solution to that thing. Make sure you're never part of the trouble. One day I was somewhere, I saw one police woman, she was trying to control traffic. So I came down to her and said, excuse me, ma. Look at, I tried to explain the thing that was really the problem. She looked at me and said, I know. I'm like, you know? He said, yeah, what do you want me to do? I'm the only person here. Then it dawned on me. I saw the mass of lawbreakers. This single woman who didn't have a gun with her. And if she did, how many people did she shoot? And if she shoots one, well, I don't start. How can you shoot somebody because of traffic? So basically, she was powerless when there were so many lawbreakers. At least the least you can do, withdraw yourself from among the lawbreakers. When you get there, tell everybody. Madam said, you suddenly become the deputy traffic controller that day. No, they said we should stop. All of you stop. And when you talk like that, people say, this is like a soldier. So. <laughs> now, what I'm going to say, just start thinking of yourself. Look, I am what? The government. If you walk anywhere, go in there and say, I am a giver. That is why Listen to what I want to say, and I'm not joking. Christians, listen to this. There's a blessing, there are curses also. Let's not pretend. Any Christian who steals from the boss is cursed. That's the reason. 
Because not only are you not giving, you are not taking. And not just taking, you are what? Stealing. And the curse of the Lord is in the house of the thief. That is why government, Nigerians, you can't, as a believer, you can't steal from government. You can't. It's not thou shalt not steal we are dealing with here. No, that's not what we are dealing with. What we are dealing with here is that I am a blessing. I will inactivate the pathway of blessing if I switch from being a giver to being a beggar and a taker. That's what we are dealing with. We are not dealing with eh, thou shalt not steal. Who's talking about thou shalt not steal? That's for the Jews. We are saying that we have been... Ah, imagine Abraham stealing from Lot. Tell the boys, now, nah, who get that sheep? Say, now, nah, Lot, now, nah, bring him. <laughs> so, kind of Lot, oh, come on, bring him. Have not been, have been sheep, I said. No, just telling the story. All of you are looking, oh, God, how ridiculous. Now that you know, imagine Jacob stealing from Laban. Even though Jacob could have justified it easily. I mean, Laban deserved to be stolen from. But Jacob could not do it. Why? He would have inactivated the pathway for the flow of the power of God to make him a blessing. Rather, you know what he did? Thieves is steal from labor. Jacob would take from his own money and replace it. A lion will attack and take a goat belonging to labor. Jacob would go to his own goat, take one and replace it. Every time Laban comes, they say, there are thieves in this neighborhood. Laban will say, no, nobody thieves. No, there are no thieves around here. They're wide at him. I say, no, they don't come near my flock. I thank God for that. There are certain keys I have pressed. I paid my tithe and nobody comes near my head. Not lie. It was a fact. Listen, why don't you just say, and I told you, what do Christians take joy from? From the reward of the travail of their soul. You can walk away from a business with nothing. You walk away from a business with nothing. You can do that. But you look back and say, when I came, our turnover was 10 million a month. There were certain strategies I put in place. My boss knows. Now we turn over 150 million a month. He didn't give you anything. No, it doesn't matter. But at least I can say it. I can testify that this structure they are using today, I put it in place. And you go home and just be watching. You know what the world wants? Oh, gosh, at least give it 10%. As a Christian, don't even desire it. If he brings it, fine. If he doesn't, don't even be angry. I pray you understand. What you are doing is that you are preparing yourself for where God will place you when he will come back. Please, I need to add this on to it, then I close, because I was only preached last time. Don't ever be afraid for your life. Don't be afraid. I don't want to come back to this series. So let me just give me two minutes, let me say this. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. What will not happen to me? If I follow this path in life, I'm not going to be rich in life. Don't, don't banish those thoughts. Don't be afraid for your life. Don't ask yourself, what's not going to happen? When am I going to build the house? You, just forget it. You know the words that will happen? You won't own a house, but you will not be homeless. I can assure you of that. You know the words that will happen? One day you will die, like, nobody, like the other people too. Yes, everybody will. There's nothing terrible that's going to happen to you that has not happened before or that will affect your eternity. That's the one that, I, 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 I'm just giving the worst case scenario. But do you know what? God is very faithful. You know, the problem is that God hardly finds people who will stick with him till the end. They all want their results in a year. They all want their results in two years. They want the results in five years. After that, God, how far did you forget? 
Pass me not to gentle Savior. We start singing funny songs. Sometimes the rewards of God don't come in 15 years. They don't. I've seen a man before in your Bible and mine. 40 years before God spoke to him again. Moses. 40 years before God talked to him again. The funny part is that it was God that sent him into the wilderness. Let me say this again. As a believer, just die now. Don't die later. Just die now. Just say, God, I have died. I'm dead. I'm dead. Anything, just be using my cups for whatever you want to use it for. I have no personal ambition. I don't want to live long, if you know what I'm going to say. I'm not trying anything. <laughs> just use me the way you want to use me. Please stop this nonsense if I sow the seed. I just feel like I, I don't. Some people should see. The people are so stubborn. They are so stubborn. No matter what you preach, they will not hear. You can't give because you want to get. It's a sin. How else will say these things? People are still giving offering and then going to pray so that God will remember that it's still hot. I don't understand. You can't play safe with truth. You follow truth or you abandon it. If you try to play safe with truth, it's called lukewarm. If you give an offering, stop quoting it for God. He's angry. I speak by the spirit, oh, he's angry. Some of you know, I've said it before. I give you two months to eat your money all by yourself. Not everybody, some people. They know themselves, I'm saying it. You have been giving very regularly. And God said, no, I don't want your money again. Go and eat it. Say, Pastor Mark, what do you mean? Because anytime he wants to pray, that is confidence. Because I want to break that confidence. Yes, be selfish for two months. As they pay you salary like this, eat everything. Don't give offering, don't give anything. Just for two months. I'm not talking to everybody, I'm talking to some people. Why? Because God said, I need to break your confidence. Your confidence is your offering. Then in those two months, this will surprise you. Pray, and you'll see answers. At the end of the two months, when you return to giving, eh? it's with shame. God, please, I'm so sorry. All I brought is 90%. Can I eat 10% on top of it? And you give it everywhere. Give it, of course, you give to the work of the ministry. You give to people in need. Give to your, give to your parents. And that, sir, you don't know my father. He's a multi-millionaire. Let me tell you the truth. The bottle of water you bring for him tastes different. Just water. I'm not saying give to your poor father. The Bible says a son honors his father. Whether he's rich or poor is not the point. But what am I going to say? Let's just live a life. Giving should satisfy you. It's not a key. It's not an investment. Pastor will say, you key into at this building and you key into it. As the building is growing, your life will be growing. And the day the building collapses, your life will collapse. <laughs> Rubbish. And when Jesus Christ comes and melts everything away, he melts you away too. You like it like that? Of course not. If you see a good thing, give to it and leave it there. Stop always thinking connect. Ah! Christians can connect. Connector. EDC. They can connect. Someone they gave a testimony. Praise God, you know. We were looking for fruit of the womb. After three years, the Lord now did something. Amen. Pastor said, who wants to connect? Only. What we want is an offering. I was we used to collect offering like that. You are repenting. <laughs> Even of God, just let's, let's learn to do good for the sake of doing good. Let's do what is right because it pleases God the Father. 
let's take our satisfaction from the fact that our life is being poured out. Remember the instruction I give to young people. Forget this rush to make money. We finish NYC. No, starting from NYC. Ask yourself, where can I pour my life out? For a few years for something. For some people. Where can I save? I'm not trying to impress anybody. There's a way you will save. They will offer you something. Say, sir, this just goes to me for two years. I'm going. You won't stay with us. They will offer you, say, sir, I know I have to leave now. I didn't come here to try and get something from you. When God planted that idea in the heart of General Gowon, National Youth Service Corps, it was the Spirit of God. He had his own reason, but it was the Spirit of God. He said, no, no, no. And, you know, unfortunately, now young people go for NYC. They don't want to suffer. As of today, please listen to this. I want to correct something. I know a number of employers, my wife being one of them, they despise NYC members. They hate, they don't want coppers. Our sister, J.D., sacked all her coppers in one day. Woke up in the morning, love you, get out of my house. Yeah, get out. I, I don't want you again. Yeah, pack, pack. I want to talk to Christian coppers. I don't know what people are doing in there. That's your family house. From now on, tell, no. Alanka, do you see people befriend those people? Please tell them that Pastor Bank is there, I should tell you something. That the soul that sinned, he shall die. Any lazy <laughs> copper is this. No. No, they have a culture. I know it began from somewhere, but I want to talk to Christian coppers. You have to break it. When they deploy you somewhere, just know this year is giving life. I want to just give. Federal government is giving me small allowance. I will manage it. What are you doing acquiring property as a cop call member? Stop investing your money in cryptocurrency. Invest your money in people. They put you in a secondary school. Tell yourself, okay, what am I teaching? I'm teaching economics. By the time I'm done, which means you say you have to go and read it because you don't, you don't know anything. You know. You know now. You that I'm talking to, you know, you don't know anything. That your second class you have is, even, in fact, you don't even know where it came from. Don't worry, there's redemption for you. Amen. Go and read. Settle down, learn. There's one thing about learning as an adult. One, you're not under pressure, and your brain is wiser now. So, some things you will read, you'll be wondering, how come I didn't understand this when I was in school? Read it, then call the children. Say, you will know economics. Oh, yeah, all of you, sit down. By the end of the year, all of you will be able to work in CBN. Just tell the children, now let's start. Teach them economics until they will talk to a university students third year, and the person will be wondering, like, where do you people come from? That will be your goal. Remember, you will see the result of the travel of your soul, and you will be satisfied. Not the parents did not appreciate me. You did not go for the parents to appreciate you. You went there so that God will say, I am pleased with you. I feel so strongly about it. To tell this new generation, this young generation, what they call the Gen, Gen, Gen Z. Where's that Gen Z guy with the hang for that corner? Gen Z. Okay, you're up there. You're not Gen Z, but you're the one that told me about Gen Z. So what is Gen Z? Okay, anyway. All you young guys who are, you are, you are leaving school now, those are people I'm talking about. Please, the first few years of your life must be a giving, intense giving period. Just combine two things, learning and giving. Learning and giving. You know what I mean by giving now? I don't mean seed sowing. Offering baskets is not what I'm talking about. I am talking about a situation in which you just go and say, okay, I'm working this cement company. I mean, block-making company. Good, we are going to have the best blocks in this environment. 
with your university degree, one day you will carry block like this to construction site. Good morning, sir. Who's the former here? Who's the engineer? Can I talk to you? Then you drop your block in front of him and it doesn't break. That's our block. And we're only 20 naira more expensive than other people. What do you think? I mean, as simple as that. They did not hire you for marketing, no. But they hired you to supervise staff. But you go and re- you're not an engineer. You, are, you study their business management. That's why you were broke. But you go and call your friends, the structural engineer, and say, guys, what does it take to make good blocks? They will explain it to you. Uh-huh. Okay, okay, okay. You come. All right, can you train my staff for me for two days? Guys, no, I'll buy you meat pie and coke. That's the only thing you can give fellow coppers like yourself. Don't give them money. Then when they pay transport, then give them meat pie. When they finish, you'll be a... Do you know, God will give you ideas. And you have a bachelor's in business management. When they finish, you will think you're a structural engineer. At the end of the year, what would you get from it? Nothing more than satisfaction. Say, sir, before I came, you were selling 1 million era blocks in a month. Now I'm leaving, you are selling 20 million. Now you are getting contract that the LPUs from Julius Berger, I say, make block for us. The Lord be with you. I am going home. Say, well, no, no, guy, I'm not an engineer. I just came here to help you for the year. And you walk back there with your, that you live there with ordinary khaki. You know that khaki? NYC crested vest, khaki trousers, and khaki cap. What did you bring back from NYC? Nothing. I, that is, I invested in somebody's life. Please, young people, that's what I want you to have. And at home. Please, can I, guys, give me two minutes. I need to talk. I have plenty talked in my mouth. Please, parents, tell your children and young people, stop being lazy. Why should your father wake up before you? What's wrong with you? You play PS something till 12 midnight. Your father is going out at 6 a.m. You are still sleeping. Repent in Jesus' name. Amen. You know your father is going out by five, 6 o'clock. Wake up by 5. Get down. Wash the car. Iron the clothes. Some of us parents raise our, raise our children to be lazy. God will bless my wife in that area. Eh? Anyway, first, my wife herself. Na engine. So if she born you, you're already bearing. <laughs> that is, my house now camp. Because on Saturday, there's no breakfast until you finish your work. If it's one o'clock, it's your problem. No food. You wake up in the morning, sweep the compound, do this one, do this one. Go vacuum, remove cobweb, wash toilet, do everything. And you have not eaten, no? There's roaster on who washes plates. One day I was in the house. I saw our housekeeper carrying food. My children were watching TV. She was carrying food. I said, what is that? Said the children's food. The way I shouted on her, I just saw devil, evil spirit. You cook food, my children are watching television. You serve food, my children are watching television. Then you carry the food, want to bring to where they are watching television. How else do you describe Satan? That is Satan. Let me tell you what angels do. Put off that TV, come and boil water. Auntie, but I said, put off the TV. You cut that onion for me. You cut this one. They were small. They were not big, but they were small. I said, lie, lie. As long as you walk in this house, I don't want to hear you save the children. Do you understand me? Looking at me. Yes, sir. It's bad enough that you have cooked. They did not cook. So they now can't walk to the kitchen to get the food. And when they finish eating, they wash the plates. Like my wife said, I will not be training other people's children, and my own is spoiling. Parents, please, learn it too. We are the ones that spoil children sometimes. He said he doesn't know anything. And that's how you teach it to him now. When they are washing, plate, washing clothes, give him a handkerchief. Let him sit down there and be doing like, you know, it's good. What have I said today? 
You want to fulfill the race that is set before you. Just have the right mindset. That your life was given to you to pour out. God has taken you. He has blessed you. Now he's breaking you so he can give you. That's the summary. You are not a beggar in life. You are what? A giver. Let's bow down heads. All I want is to just give a lot of thanks. Because his word is liberating. His word sets people free.